this is Rachel Jensen, and I am on Culture Matters Podcast with Chris Smith. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, uh, and or good evening, of course. My name is Chris Smith, and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 142. Today's guest is Rachel Jensen, or Rachel Jensen, if you want. Over eight years ago, Rachel moved from New York to a small Caribbean island off the coast of Belize in search of a job. Today, she still calls Ambergris Calle home, and despite the cultural differences and nuances, she has adapted to a slower and easier-paced life in Central America. Let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Hey, Rachel. Good morning or, or good afternoon. I think it's good morning where you are, isn't it? It is still morning where I am exactly. Oh, okay. Good afternoon, Chris. All right. Thank you. What, what, uh, how, how morning? It sounds like really early morning. How morning is it? Should get better as we move along. <laughs> All right, you um, you just mentioned uh, Belize uh, or Belize, uh, Belize, uh, whatever. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, who you are, where you come from? We know not where you are right now and normally. And what is Belize? Because there might be people that just have no idea what that word means or, or where that place is. And what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? So I grew up in New York, the suburbs of New York, about 30 minutes north of Manhattan. And growing up, what I knew was Manhattan. My grandparents lived in the city. My parents worked in the city. My family was throughout Long Island, New York City boroughs, and Westchester. And so for me, this was really my, my bubble growing up. Every now and again, my family would take you know, all those all-inclusive vacations to Punta Cana or Cancun. But I really grew up in this New York state of mind where everything was go, go, go. You're going to go to college. After college, you're going to move back to Manhattan, work in the city for for seven, eight, nine years, then move up to the suburbs. And that was really kind of the trajectory that a lot of people where I grow up take. Um, growing up, though, I knew that I wanted something a little bit more. I never wanted to stay in my hometown. I was always the one that was eager to travel and take road trips and take these kind of wacky vacations. And I went to college in Pennsylvania. It was only about eight hours away from where I grew up, but I was really at that point looking for a school that was strong in a pre-med program because I wanted to be a doctor and also had strong travel abroad or study abroad programs because I knew that I wanted to spend some time in another country. So ultimately I chose a school in Western Pennsylvania, a small liberal arts school called Allegheny College. I was studying biology and Spanish. And during my four years at college, what I realized is I really didn't want to be a doctor anymore but I was really enjoying the language and the cultural aspect of 
of learning more about different countries. So uh, in between my sophomore and my junior year of college, I went on a what we call an experiential learning trip, and I went to Nicaragua. It was actually focused on pre-med and pre-med studies, but we went down to Nicaragua for, for a while, and we were doing different things down there medically related, but we were also doing a lot of volunteering, and we spent one day at a property called Grand Pacifica. And that was kind of our vacation day, our free day. And I just, I love the country. I love the people. I mean, seeing people that really have what we would say, you know, nothing or not much, but to see how happy they were. And when they were with families and, you know, you give them a little gift and their eyes light up and their face light up and the smile is the biggest smile in the world. It's a really humbling experience. So I came back to the States after that trip to Nicaragua, ended up going to Spain for a semester to study abroad. What, back, Rachel, what, what year are we talking about now? Just to give us an idea of a time frame. 2010. So that okay. was 10 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of that trip to Nicaragua, I was like, I really, I really want to do something more. But I ended up going to Spain the following, about a month later for the study abroad. Also in 2010, came back to Pennsylvania in 2011. And realized that's when I was like, I really don't necessarily want to do this pre-med anymore. So I ended up applying for Peace Corps at the probably of middle of senior year of college. Mm -hmm. So I applied for Peace Corps. And if, if you're not familiar with it, it is basically a government, U.S. government-sponsored program that sends Americans to different locations, usually developing countries, and helps them with some aspect in the economy or growth or business. And so I was placed to be placed in Panama to teach English. That would have been the January following graduation. So I graduated in 2012, and then that that post would have been for January 2013. So that leaves a good time from graduation to, to, to January to actually do something. And so I had a great career advisor who was actually the one who took us to Nicaragua on that experiential learning trip. And she said, there's an internship in Nicaragua for three months. I know you enjoyed your time there. Why don't you go down for three months? That'll give you a little bit of time to do something until you go off to the Peace Corps. So within two weeks, I made the decision that I wanted to go to Nicaragua. I ended up getting the internship, and then I was on the plane for what I expected to be a three-month internship. And when I was down there, I just continued to fall in love with this country and the culture and the people and and everything about it, and just the cost of living was really affordable. And it was a country that had such a bad reputation, but when you get there, it has such a different feel to it, and the people are warm and genuine. And, I mean, the city of Managua is a little confusing to navigate through, but people were so eager to help. And I know Mike Cobb talks a little bit more about his experience of living in Managua with, with his family, his wife, and two kids. I mean, I was there on my own and, and really had a great time there, too. Uh, but I just ended up falling in love with the country that I ended up staying with this company that I had the internship with, decided not to do the Peace Corps, and then I stayed there uh, in Nicaragua for about a year and a half, and then ultimately made my way over to Belize. When I was living in Nicaragua, I was going back and forth to Belize for work, and ended up, I mean, again, falling in love with another country. This is a Caribbean country, and I know you asked where Belize is. Belize is about 200 miles south. Uh, where I was specifically on an island called Ambergris Cape. It's about 200 miles south of Cancun. So it's nestled between Mexico and Guatemala. Mm -hmm. It's a small, small country, a population of about 380,000. But it's considered a Caribbean country. It's a Central American country, but they speak English there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of forgotten when you talk about Latin America because it's not a traditional Latin American country. But it's beautiful. It's It has about over 300 atolls and keys up right off the coast of the mainland. 
and it just is a truly remarkable place. So I would always recommend people go check out Belize if you have the opportunity to do so, but it's the place that I ultimately decided to call home. And I mean, it's a complete 180 when you compare life on this Caribbean island off the coast of Belize mainland to what I grew up in, uh, basically outside of New York City. You know, yeah. it's not this go, go, go. It's where people go to retire and relax because they want that R&R, they want that permanent vacation lifestyle. So it definitely has been a transition, but it's been a fun transition. And, you know, one that I, I don't take for granted every day is a learning lesson when you're living in another country and you just have to adapt to, to what you're to what you're experiencing mm -hmm. and, and really try, try your best to understand why it is that you're there and why you want to stay there. Okay, that's cool. That's a good introduction. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> Just out of my out of my curiosity, because I, I have my country of choice in um, in Central America, at least, is Guatemala. It's um, it's a place ultimately I want to go and move to and start and start living there. Is um, Belize is that uh, always warm, always hot? Yes, yes, it's always warm. It's definitely a tropical climate. In mid eighty three to eighty five year round, more or less. Humidity, seventy, eighty percent. Now you can go to parts of the country that are a little bit cooler, uh, but traditionally around the country, it's 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 definitely a tropical climate. Right, right. because you have this in the middle in, in Central America. I mean, and all the way from to the to the south, Punta Arenas, and all the way up to uh, to Alaska. There's this this mountain ridge, of course, and um, uh, the city of Guatemala is on an altitude of sixteen hundred meters. More or less, and it's always a pleasant 25, 27 degrees year round as well. Um, and that, that that I find really attractive about that country that you can actually choose your temperature almost. Yes, yes, you know it's true, and we don't have as much variation in Belize. It's you know warm or warmer, mm -hmm. but you know, we don't have as much variation. There's you know, we have some hills and mountains, but they're not necessarily mountain mountains. So, right, right, right. You know, right. And it's not as high as elevation where you're going to get a, a dramatic temperature. Sure, difference in temperature. I peaked your um, the way I prepare a podcast usually is LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, so I, I uh, uh, peaked or looked at your pictures on uh, on Facebook, and it's 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 very nice indeed. It's uh, I think that never never gets boring that the the the, the view of the sea and stuff like that. I think, I think like you that. know, it, it's true, and I spent about two and a half three months of the quarantine. Uh, for coronavirus there in Belize. I'm in New York now. I had to come back for some family matters, but I can tell you it was a very relaxing two to three, two to three months. And you, know, you get into this sort of routine where mm -hmm. you, you take the dogs out for a walk and you're there along the beach and you never get sick of it. And I think on my camera roll, I was going through it the other day. On my camera roll, I have like the same picture every single day because you just don't get sick of the beauty. You really yeah. It. And yeah. you could be looking at the same view over and over for years, but it still never gets old. And and that's really how I feel there about the island. And the island I'm on, it's about it's small. It's about 26 miles long, one mile wide at its widest point. And the population size is about 25,000. But it's just such a charming, cute, tropical Caribbean town where the buildings are painted bright colors. People drive around in golf carts. I mean, as you drive past people, you wave to them. And, you know, sometimes it feels like you're the mayor because you're just constantly waving to people. But it's a really neat community. And you really feel, and at least for me, I really feel at home there. And even though I am technically a foreigner, yeah. and I'm an American living in Belize, I feel like I've really found home in a foreign place. And 
I know that that's ultimately the goal when a lot of people move abroad or move overseas, but it's not always easily, it's not always easy to accomplish. Yeah. No, I can imagine. I mean, I mean, you're, you're uh, a, a cultured American almost. I mean, there's, you have to, the realization that there's more outside of the country, uh, of the United States, that is. And, and I've, I have a question with this. And you gave a really good introduction, really clear and, and, and wide introduction. In the, um, uh, written introduction that you gave beforehand is that you, you moved to, um, to Belize for, for a, a kind of job, an interim job or something like that. Yes. And, and what what did you do there? Yeah, so I actually started the internship in Nicaragua. And, you know, there, because I, I studied uh, Spanish and biology in school with the intent of going to medical school. So uh -huh. when I got this internship with a development company, I had never taken a business course. I'd never taken an economics course. I hardly knew anything about real estate, but I went into it open to learn and willing to learn. And mm -hmm. so when I asked uh, the CEO during the interview, what would I be doing? He's like, I don't know, a little bit of everything. And I was like, fantastic. That's exactly what I want because I have no idea what I want to do. So I took on this internship and I did primarily with a lot of marketing and sales related mm -hmm. work, which again, I never took a marketing course. I never took a sales course, but I really, really enjoyed. And what I really liked about the opportunity was that, you know, I was given given work or given a task, but there wasn't necessarily that micromanagement, I was able to take that project on and really make it my own. And I'm somebody who would prefer to research and learn more about something rather than asking questions and trying to find things out you know, the easy way or bothering my coworkers for silly questions that I could have been easily Googling. So I really, I really learned a lot about the marketplace, the Latin American development world. I learned a lot about marketing and sales tactics during this internship, even though I was pretty much on my own for it because mm -hmm. I took on the opportunity to, to research. Mm -hmm. And so from that, when uh, I had the discussion with our CEO, if I wanted to stay on or not, he didn't know that I had signed up for the Peace Corps. So we had this discussion and I was really trying to figure out, did I want to stay with this development company where I could potentially start a career Or do I want to go off to the Peace Corps? And I know Peace Corps, they have great, great uh, relationships with grad schools. And, but I just didn't even know what I would want to do in grad school. So I decided ultimately at the end of the day to continue on with this development company. And you know, some of the big reasons for that is I really liked what they were doing within the community. They're very socially minded. They do a lot of uh, social responsibility work, uh, which I really appreciated. I got involved in personally. And I really just like that the The company cared about people. Mm. You know, they cared about their employees. They cared about their clients. And that was very, very obvious during that short three months that I was there. So I decided to stay with the company. Uh, I've been with them over eight years at this point. And at this point, I'm their, their vice president of sales and marketing. So uh, one of the reasons I ended up in Belize was because we were just starting development there. And we needed to build our team. We needed to build yeah. some sort of presence there on the okay. island. And so one of my tasks was to really go to Belize and put this team together. Um, but I loved Belize anyway. I was very, very eager to go. So that's why, uh, that's how I ended up in Belize ultimately. And you're talking about, at this moment, you're talking about ECI Developments, um, yeah, who, who develop exactly. uh, luxury properties or proper properties on um, uh, where again? In Nicaragua, not in Guatemala, but in Belize? Um, exactly. And Panama? Exactly. So they're in, it's in Belize, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama. Yeah. Uh, and we are looking at property also in Argentina and Ecuador. So building out the portfolio. And 
the real purpose of the, com the company is to, to build product and to build real estate that that expats are familiar with because when you come to latin america it can be very much so a buyer's beware territory there's very little zoning there's very little regulation mm -hmm. and so it can be kind of daunting if you're looking at buying property in another country and you're just not familiar yeah, with what's absolutely. normal there yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so and the, this you're talking about michael Cobb here who exactly. uh, is working for um, ACI Development and who actually I interviewed as well. It was on number 133. If you want to hear more about what this company does, really, uh, you can go back and go to culturematters.com and look for episode number 133 or Michael Cobb with Dolby. Um, and I understand why why Belisa as well, because at, at, first, at first I thought, okay, you went there because it's English speaking and that's a lot easier. Because for, for, for any, uh, typically Anglo-Saxons, I guess, maybe a little bit less for Europeans because we're used, more used to different languages. Um, it's, it's not easy speaking, speaking, uh, Spanish, typically because the structure, it's a Latin language and the, the pronunciation is hard and for many Anglo-Saxons because your R is deep in your throat and in for the Spaniards, it's like, it's, a, it's at the tip of their tongue. So, um, I like that you give a reason behind it. I always thought it was just because our education systems <laughs> didn't teach language until too too far along the line. But I like that there there may be a reason behind why we're so bad at other languages. Well, and to, and to, to some extent, I guess it's the it's the for the I mean the majority of the American population or the majority it's about fifty percent I reckon doesn't it doesn't have a passport. In other words, they can they have to go right. and get a passport first. So, but it's logical because you don't need it really. You have everything in one country. So there's there's no reason. The other reason as well is why you're why you're less um, say exposed to to other uh, situations or, or other things happening in the world is that you actually really have to go look for it uh, because normally if you flip on the TV you get the news with a with a 25 mile ra radius and you know who's pregnant and 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 which pram actually fell in into a ditch or something like that. That's usually the news. Some years back I was in Indianapolis. I was in a five star hotel, a Sheraton hotel. Uh, or kind of Sheraton Hotel. And um, there was no BBC World. There was no CNN International. There were only local, local channels. So sometimes it, it's hard to find other other well, sources of information, so to speak. So that's a, I think it's a part of an explanation as well. And, and when it comes to language, I mean, this is, we make fun of Chinese. They're talking about flight lice. But it's just because of, of eventually, I mean, when you start speaking a language as a kid, your your mouth and tongue they develop in such a way in order to speak the language and if you're not used to it you're not used to it that's exactly and so how is your spanish then rachel it's okay um i you know i wish it was better than it was i did take spanish when i was in college mm -hmm. i wrote a thesis in spanish and defended it in spanish and then i moved to nicaragua for a while but i've been in, in belize for a long time at this point and English is the official language of the country. A lot of Creole is spoken as well. You will hear some Spanish uh, because we are so embedded into Latin America mm -hmm. with Mexico and Guatemala around us. But really the day-to-day -day language that's spoken locally is Creole or English. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's not as easy as, I'm not as good as I wish I was, but I think that that's something that is kind of on my end as well, because I do have coworkers who speak both Spanish and English, and I could spend more time practicing Spanish with mm. them. But it could definitely be a, a lot stronger than it is. But I, I picked up some Creole words over the last few years that I've been there. I'm definitely not a, a native Creole speaker. I, you know, it's kind of Creole mm -hmm. such an interesting language, but 
um, it's it's fun. It's fun to learn the little words, and you know, from that you can kind of understand what people are saying yeah. when you're listening to Creole. Y en, en, entonces, ¿puedes hacer este, esta entrevista en, en español o no? No, we'll do English. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. No, just, I, just, I, I was just pulling your leg. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. <clears throat> okay, um, so you came to Central America, for the, not the first, and not to Belize first. As an, as an American who said, you know, like... Uh, Like you said yourself, you're, I felt a song coming up when you said it almost. Uh, you are, you were in this New York state of mind. I think of Billy Joel yes. and and his piano. So if you're if you're a young woman, I was going to say a, a girl, but if, if you grow up a girl becoming a woman, and then, and you are in a New York state of mind, and then all of a sudden you go to 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 Nicaragua, that's a heck of a change. So what was the big difference? How did you cope with that? You know, I'm the middle child. I always you know, considered myself, in a sense, the black sheep of the family. When I was in college, I even worked in the international office, and I was dealing with a lot of our international students. I helped students go abroad. So I had always had this this mindset that there's more to the world than, than just New York. So, I mean, my personality, too, I think I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. I don't get um, high-strung. I don't need to have plans all written out before I go on vacation. I'll take it each day at a time. And I think that definitely mm. helped when moving to another country because I have some friends who who I know would just not, not make it. And especially in a developing nation where exactly. you know you don't necessarily have those sort of comforts that you're used to. So you need to learn how to adapt. And I, I think I'm pretty good at adapting and things. There are some things when I got to Nicaragua, I was like, oh man, I wish I brought this or I wish I had that. But over time, what you realize is those things are not really important. Mm. And what becomes more important are the relationships with the people there and you're, you going out and experiencing something new and understanding the country. Go check out you know, Samoto Canyon, for example, in Nicaragua or go to Little Corn Island and really get a feel for the country so that you can best adapt to it. But I didn't really have that many difficulties. I think in Nicaragua, Where my difficulties were is the fact that I didn't have a car when I was living in Managua or have reliable transportation. So I felt a little stuck at one point because I Nicaragua and Managua specifically you really need some vehicle to get around the city because it's not too walker friendly. So I felt a little stuck in the beginning, but ultimately I began making friends and they had cars or they had reliable taxi drivers. Right. Yeah. So that made it easier. But it was, I mean, even in the beginning, it was more difficult to make friends in Nicaragua than it was in Belize. In Belize, because it's English, mm -hmm. I felt like I had more of a connection with somebody when I was talking to them. And you can go into deeper conversations than you can when you're, you're using your second language that is not fully developed and they're only speaking, let's say Spanish. I'm Spanish is my second language. I'm talking to a Nicaraguan who doesn't know English and whose only language that they know is Spanish. And there were a lot of disconnects in this year. Yep. So I found it a little bit harder to make friends, to get involved in a country, Uh, and in the community, but ultimately I, I did. I ended up having a great friend group there, um, both the Nicaraguans and also expats who were living in Managua. But I, I think that was my, my biggest challenges early on were just trying to find ways to connect into the community and how do you make friends? How do you go about doing that? You know, there, there is a definitely an elite group in Nicaragua, and they kind of stick to themselves, but there are also a lot of clubs, like Rotaract, Rotary, Rotaract, mm -hmm. one of my co-workers uh, was the president of Rotaract Club, which is for 
young adults, 18 to 30, who want to get involved in a community. So she invited me to go to those meetings with her, which are all Nicaraguans. Uh, there was Internations, which is a great website for expats who are living abroad to connect with other expats there. Mm-hmm. So it definitely takes effort. And, you know, for people, even if you're introverted, because I definitely have my introverted ways, you do need to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit and and do these sort of activities and get involved. Otherwise, it can be very lonely and very sad in these countries if you're there by yourself and you're not connecting with people. So is that is, is are you telling me or telling us that you really didn't have a lot of trouble adapting coming from a very individualistic culture the united states and then stepping into into very well relatively very collectivistic cultures where where family is really important the the group that you belong to is really important your friends etc yeah you know and i i really i would say it was easy by any means i was definitely facetiming with friends and family back in the states and getting a little envious that they were there doing you know, 4th of July or something, and I was in, in right. Nicaragua, but you know, I also was very present when I was there in Nicaragua, and I understood why I was in the country and what, what drew me to that country in the first place. So keeping busy, I think, is one of the big things that you can do. Mm. And also that you know, I, I knew I wasn't stuck in the country. I knew that if at any point I really was having a miserable time, I could hop on the plane and be back in New York. Yeah. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to experience this culture. I wanted to be in the country, and I wanted to strengthen my Spanish. Uh-huh. It didn't work out too well, but at least be there. And so, I mean, I actually I think I had more difficulty going to Belize than I did in Nicaragua, because in Managua I could hop in a car, I could rent a car for the weekend, I can go to the beach, I can go to the mountains, I can hop on a plane and be on the Corn Islands on the Caribbean coast. So it was a little bit easier for me to bounce around and, and jump around, and I'm very adventurous. I like mm-hmm. doing things. I like experiencing new things. On Ambergris Key, which is the island that I'm on in Belize, I think I actually had a little bit more difficulty there um, because I'm on an island. So, you know, when you, I want to go hiking for a weekend, I have to make a trip. I have to hop on a little puddle jumper or hop on the boat and get back to the mainland. And it's not difficult to do, but it definitely takes a little bit more planning. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, Belize doesn't have the big chain stores. There's no Walmart. There are no Macy's. There's no, there's no, there's no department store. So it's a lot, like Nicaragua, you do, you have that Walmart, you have that, that's uh, super buy or the Costco or, um, yep. Sam's club, right? You have those sort of stores there. So that actually feels a lot more familiar as well. But in Belize, we don't have that. And so that I think was a little bit more difficult for me to adapt to because it, it just, I didn't have the comforts that I was used to. And even in Nicaragua, you, you do have those comforts there uh, to some extent, but in Belize, it was really just like nothing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love it though. Belize is really where I learned how to live simply and live with whatever I need. If I ever come back to the States, I pick up, you know, those sort of must haves mm-hmm. and we'll just bring them back with me. But I think that it's a very rewarding sort of experience to be able to say that, you know, you don't need stuff to make you happy, that you can live very simply, that you can enjoy the company and build relationships and put a lot of emphasis on family and friends. Where in the States, it's just so go, go, go. And my parents, my dad still works in New York City whenever I come home. I mean, he gets le- he has less hair every time I see him because of how stressed he's getting. But, you know, it's also just a very, very different way of living that I think I would have a very difficult time mm-hmm. coming back to the States mm-hmm. and trying to readapt to the work culture here and just the culture here generally. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I can, I, I can to some extent relate to that, I think. 
It's um, even though I, I moved to Belgium, which is adjacent to the Netherlands. So I was born in Amsterdam. Every time you go back, it's I, I come back. It's, I am really surprised by the bluntness of the Dutch. I mean, it's a stereotype, but it's a it's a really true stereotype. The Dutch are so horribly direct in your face that some it shocks me sometimes. Even being a Dutchman myself. So I'm I'm looking at the the, at the map here where you live in in uh, you live in San Pedro or somewhere close. Oh, yep, San Pedro. So Ambergris Key is the primary town there. Or Ambergris Key is the island, and then San Pedro is the primary town. Right. So there are different neighborhoods scattered throughout to the north and the south of San Pedro. But I'm there in San Pedro area, and it's it's amazing. It's a really beautiful, beautiful island. We have the Belize Reef that parallels the island, so you can be out on the water snorkeling, diving, fishing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kayaking, cool. paddleboarding in just a matter of, of seconds, really. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. See, did we... If you look at the map and you and you see where Belize is, you know as you said already, to the north it's um, it's Mexico, and to the south it's uh, south and uh, east it is Guatemala. How how different are these are, are these cultures, a Mexican and Guatemaltecas or Guatemaltecos, uh, um, compared to to the people coming from Belize? And the other thing that I was wondering about, do you notice any of this? Because the border between Guatemala and Belize is still um disputed at least by by Guatemala because also because the country Belize is 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 a very young independent country i think what is it 1981 or something it became yeah. independent yeah 1981 they gained their independence but actually last year 2019 Belize voted to take this border dispute case to the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, mm -hmm. and Guatemala has been pushing that for years. They want to go to the ICJ, they want to go to the ICJ, they want to get this border dispute uh, resolved. And Belize was always saying, well, why would we want to take it to the ICJ just in case they say no and we have to give part of the country to Guatemala? Yeah. And so finally, 2019, the dispute, uh, well, Belize decided to take this dispute to the ICJ to be done with it once and for all. Um, so I, that, there's no clear timeline as to when that is actually going to go to the ICJ, but it was kind of a big, a big deal in Belize for Belizeans to decide to take it to the ICJ because they also want to be done with it once and for all. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, it's, it's fairly easy to get between the borders of, of Belize and Guatemala. Um, I've done quite a few road trips up to Mexico, or sorry, from, um, the borders between Mexico and, and Guatemala and Belize. I've done quite a few road trips up to Mexico, and it's it, it's easy enough to go through. And it's just really it's really great to have Mexico and Guatemala as neighbors because yeah. then when you want to get out of the country for a little bit, you can go and experience a totally different culture and totally different country and just be there in a matter of a few hours. How how is that so different? What is what is if you go if you cross the border, I mean you go you go to Puerto Barrios, which is which is a coastal place on the site where Belize is on the uh, the Caribbean, the Atlantic side. How is that different? How is the culture so different? Sure. So I can take a little bit more to Mexico because I've spent more time there, but okay. um, I can tell you the food. <laughs> the uh -huh. food is really good. So in the, in Belize, for example, we don't have the Haas avocados, the Mexican avocados. It's illegal to bring them in uh, at the time that avocado season in Belize is happening because they want to support local produce. So for me, I mean, I love food. I love eating. And the food I find in Mexico is really, really good. Obviously, um, in Belize, too, we don't have imported uh, liquors or beers. So a lot of times people will go over the border, they'll go get tacos with avocados, and then they'll go get <laughs> pepsi. 
alcohol and, and some Coronas, and we just don't really have that. So there's definitely a big food and drinking culture uh, once you cross those borders, but also the fact that they're speaking Spanish. I mean, Spanish is the official language you go from this country that is speaking English to speaking Spanish, and that just feels like a world apart as well. So, um, I mean, it's it's all the countries in the region are really beautiful and offer something very, very different. But I would say in, in Guatemala, there's a lot more of the Mayan culture there. On the border of Belize and Guatemala, there definitely is Mayan influence. But you go to Guatemala and you have a lot more of that Mayan sort of influence right. there, which yeah. I think is really quite special too. So there's just something different. And, and Mexico, going back to Mexico for a second, Mexico is really quite developed in the tourism market and has been involved in the tourism market for 20, 30, 40 years at this point. Mm-hmm. So you go there and there's a little bit more infrastructure. People will cross the border to go shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you feel like you're in a little bit more of a developed country when you head over the border to parts of Mexico. Okay, oh, that's interesting to hear because I've never, I've, like I said, I've made it to Puerto Varios, um, uh-huh. which is the closest I've, I've come to Belize, and it's something that's on on, on my list. It's something I want to, uh, would like to do and, and want to do. And I should have been. I had this moment. I should have been in um, in Guatemala. We're recording this, by the way, the 16th of July, 2020. For those of you who are listening to this in the future, uh, but evidently my flight got cancelled, and um, I have no idea when I'm going to go now. Well, keep me posted when you do, Chris, and then uh, hop over the border to Belize, and you can check out Belize. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's a beautiful place. Come over to the island; we'll certainly show you around and, and give you the grand tour. Excellent. That's um, that's uh, that I'm going to take you up on that for sure, and I am going to take you up on that. And this is not the American or say saying like you should come over for dinner one day, and that means well, don't come over for dinner one day. Oh, no, no, no! <laughs> if we tell you to come over for dinner, we'll make you some empanadas. Okay. And what else? Do chicken. I'm trying to think of what else I've learned to, to cook in in the Belizean uh, the Belizean cuisine. <laughs> must be something with fish. I mean, there must be fish somewhere. Yeah. Yes, amazing fish dishes. Fish tacos are very popular. Fish fillet, fried fish, anything fish related because on the island, obviously, we are surrounded by water. And lobster is really good, so everything's just really, really fresh. Excellent. All right. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for the invite. I'm going to take you up on that whenever I will come. Um, and um, looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at the time right now, 33 minutes into uh, recording. Um, I'm going to ask you that my two final questions, which is, uh, one but last is, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent, please? Yes, absolutely. So I think the first one uh, that I've learned from even just observing others who come into the country as tourists or even those who are expats is that just understand you are a visitor in that country. Um, I don't have voting rights in Belize. I don't think I have the right to say anything politically, especially to Belizeans. I don't think I have the right to voice my opinions about what the government is doing because I am a visitor in that country. And so many times we hear tourists and expats coming in and saying, well, in the States, they're doing it like this. Or this is how it should be done. And it's like, oh, my gosh, well, if that's how you wanted it to be, go back. Like, go back. That's just not how it is here. So understand that you're a visitor. Respect the fact that you're a visitor. Uh, And then I think that it makes everything just a little bit easier. And it just makes it a lot more bearable, too, when you you understand that that you are a visitor. Yeah, Um, makes good sense. in In addition to that... So what I've also learned is that, you know, Latin American and believe a little bit more specifically, the culture is pretty non-confrontational. 
So you can ask someone something and they will just basically tell you what you want to hear and not necessarily in a means of disrespect, mm -hmm. but also just because they don't want to deal with it. They'll tell you like at work, for example, I'll say, all right, did you get this done? And they'll say yes. And then I'm like looking for it, you know, two, two, three hours later and it wasn't done. I said, well, it wasn't done. I'm like, well, I'm working on it. Yeah. Like, well, all right. That's not what I meant. You know, so I learned you just have to get over that hump. And, and, you know, as an American and a New Yorker, I can be very blunt about things. So kind of taking, toning back on that, asking specific questions and, and, and helping the people that I'm talking with and specifically my employees realize what it is that I want to accomplish and why we want to accomplish that. So, yeah. um, you know, just ask specific questions. It's okay that they're non-confrontational, but just realize that as part of their culture mm -hmm. and don't go bulldozing, bulldozing <laughs> in. Um, trying to impart your your ways of doing things on them. Okay. And then I would say the third piece of advice is yeah. really just try to live simply. And, you know, I come from a culture where Americans have huge houses and extra garages and storage units filled to the brim of stuff that they don't even look at, that they just said that their, their heirs end up having to go through. But I would say just really live simply. And, you know, that's something I learned specifically when I was there in Belize just because I had very limited and I have very limited access to things. But you realize how much freer you feel when your room is not full of stuff or your house is not full of things. And I think especially for anybody who's looking to, you know, go to another country or spend time in another country, it's important to also have that sort of flexibility of you know, not being tied down by your stuff. Mm. So that would be my third one is live simply and appreciate it. You know, you go to these countries and, and developing nations that, you know, these people have very, very little, but they learn how to be really happy or they are very happy with what they have. Family is obviously a big part of that. And so I think just live by the motto of living simply and, and you'll see how, how much you can really get out of life. Interesting. Really good stuff. Got them all written down. They will be in the show notes. And, um, well, I'm going to thank you really a lot for the time you've given us. And I'm pretty sure that we will get in touch. Forgot one question. How can people get in touch with you should they want to? Of course. So I would say you can send me an email. That's probably on email more than any other social media platform. But uh, our, or you do R Jensen, R and then J-E-N-S-E-N -E at E-C-I development.com. R. Jensen at ecidevelopment.com. Uh, and then I'm also on Facebook. I think my Facebook handle is Rach Jensen 11, R A C H J E N S E N 11. Uh, but either modes, but I'd say email is probably the way that you get in touch with me the quickest. Love to hear from you. Love to hear any questions that you have on your mind and, and chat more about the experiences too. Right. Fantastic. Thank you, Rachel. I'm pretty sure we'll bump into to each other in the future. Ciao, bye-bye. Thanks, Rachel, for coming on the show. Enjoy the Caribbean weather there. Well, as soon as you get back, that is. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You can do so in Stitcher, in iTunes, of course. While you're there, maybe you can leave a review as well. Or you can go to Spotify where you can find this podcast as well. The music you hear in the back uh, background is from Bensound. Check them out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast. And I'll be back in two weeks' time. Take care. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.